you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just lost to the guy who auto-drafted? Screaming at a TV again because someone who can't hear you dropped an open pass. Just dropped your RB1 for a kicker? Thought your fantasy draft was a good first date idea? You were probably just blindsided by hunger. Luckily, Snickers is here to pick your sorry butt up off the turf. Get back on your game with NFL Hunger Bars from Snickers. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here. And, uh, Buck, man, we've got week one of the NFL officially in the books after a couple Monday nighters. We need to get into that and talk about that a little bit. Then we got some college ball to talk about with a couple fun guests on today's show. Yeah, I'm really excited to not only talk about, obviously, the NFL, but college football is a sweet spot. Jim Nagy joins us. He is the new director of the Senior Bowl. It's going to be exciting to talk college football with him. And then Dexter Lawrence, one of my favorites, having watched him growing up in Raleigh, North Carolina, played at Wake Forest for my dad. He has since gone on to become a star at Clemson. Can't wait to pick his brain and see what is going on down in Death Valley. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. One of the best defensive linemen in all of college football. And Jim, a guy we've both known forever uh, in his new gig here with the Senior Bowl. He's already been out to see a bunch of these top college players. We get a chance to talk to him about that as well as some of his experiences scouting for the Seattle Seahawks, Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots. Uh, He's been around the block a little bit, so looking forward to catching up with Jim. But let's start here with these uh, two Monday Niners, Buck. First, Sam Darnold's start against the Detroit Lions did not start off great, but ended up being quite a night there for the rookie. No, you know, I think the the case with Sam Darnold will continue to be one of those that I think we'll use as a teaching tape for young scouts. I think you always have to go with your gut when you're evaluating players. And I think our gut told us a couple years ago that, look, Sam Darnold was not a perfect prospect, but the thing that we loved about him, the bigger the stage, the brighter the lights, the better he played. And there was something about his poise, his composure, his resiliency that led us to believe that he would be a star in this league. Against the Jets, his first pass goes the other way for six. The thing that you look at when you look at young quarterbacks, how does he handle it? Does his body language change? Does he get slumped shoulders? Is he scared now to go out and try? And for him, it was like water off a duck's back. Goes out there, plays well, 
16 for 21, 198, two touchdowns to go along with that interception. But I think it's beyond the numbers. I think there's a calming effect to having Sam Darnold on the field. You heard the Jets players talk about it after the game, how they love the young guy, how they love his competitiveness. I just think the New York Jets have got it right. The last two drafts, really the last three or four drafts, they have drafted some nice core pieces from Leonard Williams to Jamal Adams and Marcus May to Sam Darnold. This team is trending the right way, and they're trending the right way partially because they have a franchise quarterback that looks the part. I'm with you, Buck, on that one. I mean, look, this is something we've talked about with Sam Darnold. Uh, we both bought in, and I, I'm always careful. I, I don't ever claim victory or claim defeat on an evaluation on a player, but really till you get to that three-year mark. I mean, we've seen guys try and beat their chest. Oh, I was smarter than everybody else. I got this one right. And then after a year, all of a sudden, year two doesn't look like year one, and, and it's like, come on, man, let's just – this. Let's be let's uh let's take ego out of it here. And even if you think you got a guy wrong, give it time. Let's let this thing uh, marinate a little bit. But these are such positive signs from Sam Donald in a one week uh, exposure here. And it was exactly like you said. We knew he was tough. We knew he was resilient. That's when we talked about which one of these guys can get out there early. He's built. He's physically tough. He's mentally tough. He's emotionally tough. He'll be able to handle the roller coaster ride. Now there's going to be some down games that are going to come along without question. But it's a cliche. It's a scouting cliche. The guy's wired the right way. He's built to be able to handle adversity, and he showed you that in the game last night. And I also thought, look, something we've been talking about for a while as I was watching this preseason tape, this Jets defense, Buck, has playmakers. They have playmakers all over the place, all three levels. Darren Lee put on a clinic last night. I mean, he's on his way to the Pro Bowl after one week uh, with a couple picks, including a pick six. Avery Williamson, I had not studied him a lot before he came over to the Jets uh, previously there with the Tennessee Titans, but, man, he is a good linebacker. So those are two studs they have there. And we know about uh, what Jamal Adams brings to the table on the back end with Jermaine Johnson. And you've got one of the better, you know, versatile corners in Buster Screen with what he can do for your defense in that scheme. So uh, they've got players on the back end. We all know about what they have there with Leonard Williams up there in the front line. I just was watching that game last night thinking as dominating as this was for the Jets, all the reports are they went all in and were aggressive to try and get Khalil Mack. Can you imagine if they would be able to add Khalil Mack to that collection they have on the defensive side of the ball? Well, here's here, here's what uh, I believe the thinking is for the New York Jets and with some of the teams with young quarterbacks that are playing well but also on rookie deals. When you go back and you look to the Philadelphia Eagles and the L.A. Rams, because I think those are the easiest examples, not only did they help surround their guys with – offensive weapons but you notice they didn't really surround them with high price weapons on offense they kind of invested in the defense because the defense gives you an opportunity to kind of work through some of those growing pains that a young quarterback may have when I look at the Jets this defense I know they don't have a marquee pass rusher but they have a good enough defense where they can be top 10 maybe even top five the way they play they will allow the young quarterback to grow. They don't have to play risky ball with a first-year quarterback in Sam Darnold. I just like the way the team is being built. The New York Jets may be there for a while. The New York Jets look like they're trending in the right direction, as I said it before. And as much as I would like to see Khalil Mack in that defense, might be a good thing for them in that they save cap space as well as draft picks to go surround Sam Darnold with some help because that defense looks like it's on its way to being pretty darn good. Uh, the Detroit Lions quickly, Buck. I mean, Matthew Stafford. Can't have a worse day at the office than that one. No, you can't have a worse day at the office than that. I think what was telling, when the New York Jets came out after the game and said, we knew exactly what they were doing. We knew what their calls were. We knew what plays they like in certain situations. And the thing that I'm seeing, how does that happen? How does that happen? I know Jim Bob Cooter had been there, 
Jim Bakuda isn't diversifying his game plan. They're showing exactly what they were going to do in the preseason. I know preparation matters, but I am blown away by the Jets being able to really skunk out everything that the Lions are doing. I think it speaks volumes about the coaching staff and are they ready for primetime, particularly when it comes to developing a franchise quarterback like a Matthew Stafford. Yeah, one positive there. Kenny Gallaudet had a nice day there, young wide receiver. Looks like he's got a chance to be a, a really good player for them. And he had the pick six there by Quandre the Giant, Quandre Diggs. Uh, those were the highlights there for the Detroit Lions, few and far between. Let's get to that other game real quick here. Uh, the Rams and the Raiders. Raiders kept it close a little bit there in Chucky's debut. And then the Rams, that explosive offense, and then the playmakers on defense. It was like all that they've done to build this team with less need, all the little pieces, they all fell right in line there in the second half of this football game. They did fall in line. And, you know, it's, it's funny because Twitter is always funny because people were overreacting to the slow start from the Rams. People expected them to hit the ground running. But when you invest in the defense and you have marquee names and you have guys who we all know can play, and Dominic and Sue, Aaron Donald, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, those guys made their contributions. And so I just kind of like what they're doing. And offensively, what we've seen, and we've talked about it, we talked about it uh, off the line when we were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the eye candy that they give opposing defenses. The Rams kind of do a good job of kind of showing a little candy too. They really make you defend every area of the field. And what Sean McVay has continued to do with Jerry Gall is, is solid. I just like what the Rams are doing. The Rams are going to be a tough team to knock out in the NFC. One thing that's not going to show up in the box score here, you know, Jared Goff threw for 233 yards. Buck, there were about four deep shots that they he missed. just, he just, just missed. missed. He wasn't – look, I, I think if we asked Jerry Goff today, he would tell you he probably had a B, B-minus performance. Wasn't his best game. The fact that he still finished pretty solid, 18 for 33, yeah. had over 200 yards, two touchdowns, man, it just says how solid this offense could be because when he was struggling, guess what? They give it to Ty Gurley. Ty Gurley can hold it down until Jerry mm-hmm. Goff finds his rhythm. I just like all the pieces that they have on, at their disposal. Yeah, a lot to work with there. And then, look, it it was not a great day for Derek Carr. And just never – he didn't look comfortable at all, Buck. Just no no comfort level there in the pocket. When there was pressure, he wasn't comfortable. And even when there wasn't pressure, it, just, it was a little bit skittish in the pocket in this one. Just just never really found himself, never got into a rhythm. Uh, it just didn't – it didn't – it looked like he was uh, – it looked like a first preseason game, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, it wasn't a good look for Derek Carr. But I'm, I'm going to say this, and I wrote about this last week. When the Raiders traded away Khalil Mack, it put all the pressure on Derek Carr because all the conversation that John Gruden had after the trade, hey, we got our franchise quarterback, you can't pay two guys. So now you're all in. You've given all the money to Derek Carr. You're saying he's a franchise quarterback. Well, franchise quarterbacks are supposed to elevate the play of others. Three interceptions in the season debut. Not a good look. We'll see if Derek Carr can really handle the weight of being the franchise quarterback because it's all on him because the Raiders just don't have the pieces on defense to be able to compete. That offense has to play great every week for them to win games. And one thing, though, if you're a Raider fan, take some encouragement. This Rams defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL right now. That was not an easy assignment when you're trying to break in a, a old new coach there in John Gruden just to get his, his feet wet a little bit. They did come out with a little rhythm, a little pace and got things rolling. I think you'll see this Raiders offense. They'll grow. They'll mature. They'll get better as they get more comfortable there with play caller and the quarterback. But, man, that, the, the story, the biggest takeaway for me, aside from Todd Gurley being the best player on the field, 
Uh, the biggest takeaway from me was that Rams defense and just playmakers on the back end. Marcus Peters, he had one pick six. He could almost have another one. Um, he, he's going to be a big-time playmaker for them. Look, I said it before when he was coming out. He reminded me of a young Aqib Tlaib. I felt like Wade Phillips is the perfect guy to put him in a situation to make plays. And so he sits off, he plays, he just clues the quarterback, reads routes and jump routes. And the thing is, He's a much smarter player than people give him credit for. The things that he does, that's all film study and preparation, not just on random guesses. He's a good player. He will be freed up to make a ton of plays in this defense. All right, Buck, that's, uh, that's going to do it for us there, talking about the Monday night matchups. Before we get to our guests, uh, starting here with Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, have you ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Did you know you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate? Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89 APR with auto pay. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 18% APR. Get a loan from 5000 to 100000 and you can even get your funds as soon as the day you apply. Because Lightstream believes people with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees. Our listeners can get a special discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way to get this discount is to go to Lightstream.com slash sticks. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash sticks. Subject to credit approval, rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash sticks for more information. All right, Buck, he's here, excited to be joined by our good buddy, the new executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. Jim, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, DJ. Hey, Buck. Appreciate you taking some time to, to join us here. First of all, for those that don't know, um, you know, Jim is a longtime scout in the NFL. Uh, Jim, just run us through the years, the teams you're with, the years you were there, and then if you can, give us the quick, uh, quick explanation on why you decided to take this job. Okay. Well, yeah. First, uh, first job in the league was back in 1996. I actually broke in as a PR intern. You know, they didn't have scouting inter- internships back in the day, so um, had to get my foot in the door some way. And every second I wasn't doing something uh, PR related, I was upstairs and scouting bothering uh all those future gms like john schneider and reggie mckenzie and 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 that crew so um that was my first job the best part about that thing i I met a young bucky brooks (laughs) who was starring for the packers back then and uh always appreciate buck because i was first year out of college and kind of low man on the totem pole out there and he always treated me great so i always appreciated that uh from bucky and then uh had to get out of it for about four years. You know, I, I tried to get on full-time gig uh, in scouting and couldn't do it, so needed to stay around the game and uh, took a job with an agent, a sports agency out in New York City. Uh, had a couple buddies that were on that Packers team that, that kind of left their guys and came with me and uh, did that for about four years. And, again, I'd go down to the Senior Bowl and I'd go to the Combine and just try to network and create contacts. And then uh, my big break was in 2001, uh, John Schneider got the um, – VP job in Washington with Marty Schottenheimer, and he was able to uh, hire and fire a staff. So he hired me to uh, scout the West Coast in 01, and I learned uh, a lesson real quick, the NFL lesson that, that it doesn't always last long. We went 8-8 we went eight and eight that year with Marty. Um, he probably should have won Coach of the Year, considering what our roster looked like, and uh, he, he got shown the door by Dan Snyder. So we had to pick up the pieces and uh, – the next year I ended up, you know, they wanted me to move out to Washington. I was in Phoenix. I talked my fiancé to moving across the country with me. And uh, my now my, my, my current wife, 
is <laughs> by the way. But nice. So I, I was going to ask. That was a follow-up question I had there, but you, you <laughs> yeah, went ahead and handled that for yeah. me. Yeah, she's still with me. Um, so, so they wanted me. Washington wanted me to move to Washington and work in house, um, and I just I wasn't prepared to do that. Obviously, I want to stay in the league, and I would have done it, but I asked them for a week. I said, you know, can you give me a week to try to find something? And uh, so I called some buddies around the league, and I was really fortunate to hook on with the Patriots. And uh, that kept me on the West Coast uh, for a year. And I was with New England for seven years. And then I, I left for uh, – How many Super Bowls, City. Jim? Um, well, the one year in, in Green Bay, Bucky was there. We, we, yep. we won that one, um, Super Bowl 31 against the Patriots. And then in New England I went to uh, three and won two of them. And the one I lost was the, uh, the undefeated season year with the David Tyree yeah. catch. So, um, so, yeah, went to three there. Then I went to Kansas City um, with Scott Pioli when he got the GM job. I was a national scout for them for four years, and, and just like anything, it really boiled down. We, we never figured the quarterback thing out. I always joke with people, we, we might have been the only team in league history. We had six pro bowlers and two wins, so we might have been the only team with three times <laughs> as many pro bowlers as wins, um, which goes to show the importance of the QB position. Um, so then after four years there, they brought in a new regime, and then uh, – I went to Seattle with John Schneider, re, re, reconnected with John, and uh, was there the last five years, basically uh, scouting down here in the southeast part of the country. And uh, so, yeah, went to a couple more Super Bowls there. And uh, and the one I lost there was also in Phoenix. So in Oh, you had two heartbreakers, man. So I have lost two Super Bowls in that, in that stadium in Phoenix on the David Ty- Tyree catch and the Malcolm Butler play. So two of the most famous plays in history. So I've, I told my wife, if we ever get back into the NFL and we're lucky enough to go to the Super Bowl, if that game's being played in Phoenix, we are staying home. Um, <laughs> so, so that's uh, so the, yeah, that leads us that, you know, that led me here. We've been down in Mobile, Alabama for 11 years. It's my wife's hometown. We moved down here once, uh, once we started having kids. I mean, you guys both know mm-hmm. how tough it is being, being on the road and in scouting and, and being away from your family at least half the year. So, um, we had the opportunity to move down here 11 years ago, and we've been down here. And so then, when this job came open with the Senior Bowl, it really was it really was a no brainer for me. It was, uh, you know, really truly the only only job I would have left the NFL for. It just made too much sense for my family. It's it, it's it's a grind. It's really hard on a family. You got to find the right woman, and and even if you do, it's it's still a, it's still a tough way. So, um, you know, this job keeps me in football, which I love. Um, but it also opens me up to a lot of other things that you don't get to do when you're in scouting and, and from a from a professional standpoint. And then also I get to go home every night. So it's been it's been great. Wow, Nags, that's that's great. It's a terrific opportunity for you to continue to grow and expand and kind of build your brand, not only as an executive, but in other areas. Um, I think what's interesting in looking at the resume, it was funny because I, I do remember in 96, the young PR intern having conversations at the locker uh, you doing double duty as a PR intern, but also going upstairs and doing some scouting work. But I'm looking at your experience and the minds that you've been around in Green Bay with Ron Wolf and everybody that was upstairs, Scott McLuhan and John Dorsey and all of those guys, then making your way to the Patriots with Belichick and Pioli and all the success that happened there, and then going to Seattle. What would you say is the common denominator when you look at the teams that you've had go to championships what is the common denominator when it comes to building the roster? You, you, you know, Bucky, that's a, that's a really good question. And uh, I had to think about it a lot a couple of years ago when we played New England in that Super Bowl and I was in Seattle. 
you know, I, I don't know about the common denominator, but the thing I the thing I would take away is that, you know, there's more than one way to build it, and there's there's more than one way to run an operation, and you couldn't be more polar opposite of than New England and Seattle, just in terms of um, the way they've built their culture and, and around Coach Belichick and around Coach Carroll. Those, I mean, it's not a secret that those guys are are, are two pretty polar opposite guys, and and really with both of them, what you see in the media is what you get. So. Um, you know, Pete's very upbeat and, you know, everything's positive and high energy and high octane and always compete, you know, and Bill is, is, is very cerebral and um, very businesslike and to the point and runs it his way. So it really just showed me you have to, you really need to go out and if you get an opportunity to run a thing, you really need to run it your way. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's not a secret. It's, just, it's really about working. And, and again, even on the scouting end of things, it was structured so much differently in, in New England that it isn't in Seattle. So, you know, you just take the best of both, you know, the, all the places you've been, just like any coach takes the best parts of the places he's been. So um, there, there, was, there was positives at, at all the places I was at. Jim, it was one of the topics that's kind of – it's you see it popping up a little bit just after week one, and you know how it is. People always overreact after one week of the season. Always. But one of the, one of the things I saw floating around on social media was about kind of the Belichick tree and the struggles of the Belichick tree in terms of the coaches. Um, we just haven't really seen anybody, you know, have sustained success that's come from there. Now, look, it's hard for anybody, no matter what tree you come from, but that was kind of a topic of conversation. Why do you think it's been so difficult? Uh, for the guys that have been under Belichick for a long time and 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 know the the, the Patriot way, as I always like to say, uh, why has yeah. that been so difficult that's, to duplicate? That's elsewhere? a really good question. Sorry to jump in there. Yeah, it's 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 a that's a difficult question. All I can say is the one guy that gets lost a little bit um, in all that narrative is Thomas Dimitrov and what he's uh, been able to do in Atlanta. And and again, it, you don't want to oversimplify it, but if you look at all these guys and where they've been. Um, it boils down to the quarterback position. You know, Thomas drafted Matt Ryan really early on in his time there, and now he's been in the GM, you know, Atlanta for, I don't know what, it was 10, 12 years now. Um, so he's had really, you know, he's had su- sustained success. Whereas you look at some of the other people, whether it's, you know, Romeo Cornell going to Cleveland, never really having a quarterback. Um, you know, Scott and I going to, to Kansas City, we never truly figured that out. You know, Josh McDaniels in Denver. Um, so yeah, that's, to me, that's the common, the common thread. I do think that there's been some times where, where guys have tried to, tried to stick to the Patriot model almost too much, um, and not put their own stamp on it, which I think can be a mistake because, you know, Bill's a pretty unique guy. So, you know, what works for him doesn't always work for everyone else. And I think that some people, you know, over time, people have learned that, um, but it's you know it's true. I mean that everyone's going to point to that. But I, I, I think that what what Thomas has done in Atlanta has been overlooked. One of the things I'm glad you mentioned Thomas because I wanted to get to that. I think one of the smart things that Thomas has done. We both we all know we know Thomas forever and Buck knows him well as well. I thought it was interesting though because he went yes he's trained under the Patriot way no question but he went outside the the family. And he's, he's had coaches that did not grow up in that same environment. So I think it was almost like an exchange of ideas. But I'm looking like Bob Quinn, um, you know, he decided to make a change at the coaching position. He brings in Matt Patricia. Who, so you've got Patriot Way, Patriot Way. Uh, J-Rob, John Robinson decided to bring in Vrabel, who definitely came up through the Patriot Way, Patriot Way, Patriot Way. I, I give mm-hmm. Dimitrov some credit 
for going outside maybe the comfort zone there. And I think maybe that exchange of ideas has been – that might be the reason why he's the one guy that has had sustained success. That's just, just an observation. No, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. And, and Bucky knows this from his, his time scouting on the West Coast. When Thomas, got, you know, when Thomas was a scout, uh, he's got – people need to look into his background. He's got such a unique background of how he got into it. I got in through PR. He got in through working on the grounds crew. <laughs> when his dad was scouting for the Browns. I mean, he used to come in with paint all over himself and try to sit down with, with Scott and those guys in Cleveland when they were all there together with Bill. Um, but, yeah, the one thing Thomas has always been, he's a really open-minded guy. Uh, and I think that, that's one thing I always took away from working with him is, is to be open-minded and to open to other ideas and, and just the whole process. I mean, this is a guy that used to travel around the West Coast in a VW bus and, you know, sleep in his bus and, and, and ride his bike around the West Coast. And, um, you know, he had the long hair and the goatee. I mean, he, he, he looks a lot different now than he used to look. But, he, you know, he's, he's always stayed true to himself in the sense that he's, he's kept an open mind. And, and yeah, reaching out and, and you know, hiring, hiring uh, Coach Smith there a few years ago and then bringing in Dan Quinn when he did. I was with Dan in Seattle. I can tell you Dan Quinn is an absolute stud. Anyone that's ever worked with him or been around him, I mean, he's, there is no, there, it is not by mistake that, that they're doing well in Atlanta right now with Dan. But, yeah, Thomas's ability just to stay open has, been, has always impressed me. You know, Jim, so taking all that experience and taking all those things and, and the quarterbacks that you've been around and the people that you've been around, how do those experiences serve you well now in your new position, now scouting players for the Senior Bowl and trying to put together rosters that uh, scouts and executives and coaches can be excited about. How are you able to lean on those experiences? You know, uh, Bucky, I'll say this. The, the, one of my biggest takeaways from, from going to Seattle, which was so beneficial for me because having been in the, in the Patriot way, which, again, I'm, it's, there's, my time there was incredible. I learned so much. Um, they've got so many good methods and ways of doing things. But Seattle was so different. To see a different way of doing things was beneficial. And really the thing I took away from, from Seattle was just always always staying after it. Never, like the mantra there was, we, we never have all the answers. Uh, and I credit John for that. A lot of times in, in scouting and football in general, you know, people can, people can act like they do have all the answers. And John was like, no, you know, let's, let's stay after this thing. And, um, you know, again, I think a lot of teams cut their scouts out of the process really early. And John was John allowed us up until the time we were making the picks in Seattle. I mean, you had a voice all the way through, so you could exhaust the process. You could go through, and that really helped when I was, um, you know, scouting the Griffin brothers for for the for the Seahawks. Is you have all the way up until draft day to get questions answered, always ask questions, always try to figure things out. So you know, carrying that over to my job now at the Senior Bowl. I can't get everywhere. You know, I do, I, I, you can't cover the whole country by yourself. You're not Superman. So I've, I've hired four scouts that have been, um, been let go in this last hiring and firing cycle. Uh, they've got 69 years of experience between the four of them. So as you guys know, when you, sometimes when you're a scout, a lot of times in football, when you, when you lose your job, it's not because you're not good at your job. It's because, you know, the failures of a team or what you just mm-hmm. get caught, get caught, get caught in a, um, you know, a new regime change, and that's what happened to these guys. So I've got them covering the country. Um, I'm going to work the phones as much as I can and talk to my friends in the league and really rely on those relationships that you build over the years because I, I want these rosters to be players that the, that the NFL wants to see. I mean, I see this job as, yeah, I'm a steward to the local community here in Mobile. This is a big deal for us down in, down in Mobile, Alabama. 
but I'm also a steward to the 32 teams, and I've got to put together rosters of players they want to see. So it's just being open-minded, being resourceful, asking questions, not being afraid to, you know, ask for help and, and reach out and use all your resources. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for you there, Jim. You do a great job. I, I want to kind of transition as you're talking about your new role here with the Senior Bowl about some of these college kids. I know you got a chance to go out to that Week One game, Auburn and Washington. Uh, man, a lot of a lot of NFL players, a lot of Senior Bowl caliber players in that one. What was your takeaway? Yeah, it was a that was a great game, really competitive game. Like you said, a lot of players. And one thing I uh, one road I didn't really want to go down publicly uh, name names. You know, one thing we, that that Phil Savage got done here years ago was bringing we can bring in juniors now to the Senior Bowl. The guys that if they have their diploma by December. Um, mm. And right now Auburn's got five of them. And one guy that I have it is pretty public. You know, Jarrett Stedham got his degree last spring. So he's a big-time talent. I saw him this summer at the at the Manning camp. I know you guys have been down to the Manning camp before, and working in the NFL, you can't do do that. So that was a really cool experience to see, to go down there and just see how that operates. But Jarrett's a big-time guy. We'd love to get him down here for our game. Um, you know, they've got four players on defense that are going to have their diplomas in December, so we're excited there. Uh, you know, and they, the other side, you know, for Washington, they've got two tackles, you know, McGarry, was the guy that I focused on uh, in the game because he was actually there. The left tackle, you know, has the back injury and he couldn't make the trip. So McGarry stood out. You know, Jake Browning actually played better than I than I would have thought too. He, to me, he seems like a little bit of a gamer. Um, he's not the type of guy that's going to wow you at the Manning camp, but I uh, really thought he handled himself well in that game. You know, Jim, in, in, in going across the country and looking, because you're right there in the hotbed, obviously scouts would tell you, uh, the southeast is where a lot of the top prospects come from. Who are some of the other guys or who are some of the other schools that you're excited about visiting and seeing those teams play live because they have a lot of NFL uh, players that we can kind of keep up with? Yeah, yeah. You know, I got out for about I got out for about 12 days in August and hit a bunch of schools. The only state that I really didn't hit down here in the southeast was uh, I didn't get in the state of Florida at all, but I'll see Miami and Florida State and uh, Florida all play live at, at different points this fall. Of course, you, you want to get up to Alabama. I mean, every year, regardless of year, you're, you're going to have 12 to 15 guys that are legitimate NFL prospects. So they're, they're, they're a little bit different for the Senior Bowl this year in that a lot, of their, a lot of their top talent is freshmen and sophomores. I mean, this offense, I mean, you've seen them these first couple of weeks with two at quarterback. I mean, they, those, those three underclassmen receivers, the freshmen and, and sophomore receivers and the, the young running backs, I mean, they're just loaded. So you always want to get up there and see their players again. They're another place. They've got two players on defense that are our junior graduates um, that are playing good football right now that we'd love to have down here. So obviously, obviously Alabama, I think Georgia, I mean, that's, that, that's, that was a statement game for me um, last week when they went into Columbia and, and Williams Bright. They look so big and fast, man. I, I really thought Carolina was, South Carolina was going to be a team that would challenge. I thought that was going to be a much better game than it was. So, they proved me wrong. Georgia's loaded. I thought that, uh, you know, I thought they were going to have a hard time replacing some of their some of their leadership from last year. You know, Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Roquan Smith. But uh, obviously, Kirby, what he's doing in recruiting, showing up on the field because that that was a really really impressive game the other day. You were uh, you were there in Seattle with Russell. Um, I've made the the comparison. I know Bucky haven't been around Tua at the lead eleven. Has made the comparison with Tua and Russell. Obviously, one's left handed, one's right handed. H- how do you compare those two guys? Yeah, you know the, the, the funny. It's good you you made that comparison because that's who the recruiting guys. You know, two three years ago when they were recruiting Tua, they would say that to me. They're like, man, he's just like your guy Russell. And uh, now to see him play, he's got that bounce. 
He's got the same kind of balance when he's in the pocket. Stature-wise, he's really similar. Uh, Russell's probably a little thicker in his lower half, but, you know, Tua's got the long arms. He's got the big hands. He's just got that, you know, abnormal body type for a shorter quarterback that allows him to, you know, his release points higher because he's got those long arms. Um, he's got a really very similar skill set, but to me, just the athlete and the ability to improvise that, that first touchdown he threw, um, a couple weeks ago against Louisville <laughs> where he peeled around and, and yeah. spun around and, and hit him. He, he just got some of that Russell magic and a lot of the plays Russell makes aren't, you know, on, on schedule and, and they're, they're more off script plays and Tua can do the same thing. That's why I think they're going to be so explosive this year, but really to me, what, what, what's different about Tua is that I think he anticipates a little better than Russell does. I think he sees the field a little better than Russell. Um, some of those throws he makes are just, you know, when you when you slow down the tape and you're seeing when he's making those throws before guys are getting out of breaks or clearing coverage, it's really impressive. You know, in, in thinking about that, because quarterbacks are always the hardest to find, um, and just looking at some of the quarterbacks around the country, who are some of the guys that you just kind of keeping your eye on? Yeah, you know, Buck, I really wanted to get up this weekend and go see Will Greer at West Virginia play, uh, Ryan Finley at NC State. Those are two of the, the higher-rated guys coming out of the spring process. And uh, it looks like old Hur- Hurricane Florence is going gonna, is gonna to derail me. I was just on, just on Delta before we hopped on here trying to change my flight and figure something else out because they've already canceled classes at North Carolina State. So those two guys for sure. Uh, Finley was at the Manning camp, really impressive guy. Uh, Will Greer, I remember seeing as a young guy at Florida when I was going into Florida, and really that might, you know, there, him getting suspended that year and released from school really kind of changed the course for Will Muschamp. I mean, he Will might still be the coach there because that's the one thing Will never got figured out was was the quarterback position with the Gators. And I mean, you guys know how loaded they were on defense with, you know, Keanu Neal and Marcus May and Jared Davis and all of those studs they've had over the years at Florida on defense, they just couldn't get the QB thing. And, and Will looked like he was going to be that guy. And, uh, you know, I spoke to a guy at Tennessee the other day that was at Florida with Will Greer, so recruited him, knows him well, and he's like, Jim, this kid's taking the next jump. Like, he's really matured. He got them in and out of plays against Tennessee that they were really impressed with, got them into good plays uh, in critical situations. So that was impressive. So those are, those are two guys I really want to see. I want to see Drew Locke. Uh, Drew threw it great down at the Manning camp. I mean, there was – there was a guy down there that's been at the Manning camp every year since the inception. And uh, the day I was there, I thought Stidham probably threw it the best. Uh, but this particular person said the day before I got there, he drew lock through it as good as any guy they've ever had at the camp. So I just know being in the league last year, there, there were some guys that I really respect around the league that, that know the quarterback position. And they thought drew lock was in the conversation or better than those four kids that got taken in the first round last year. Well, it's going to be fun to watch those guys continue to grow and develop this year during the college season. We'll see who ends up uh, down there mobile for your game down there at the Reese's Senior Bowl. Uh, we're hoping to do this a bunch, Jim, have you on a bunch here and, and talk about some of these college kids as well as what's going on in the NFL. You can you can go in all areas. But uh, before I let you go, one thing we always do when we have uh, personnel buddies on here, we like to give yeah. you the floor because the listeners, they, they love learning about the players and all that, but they're also fascinated about the scouting job and what, it, what that entails. And everybody has – we all have our handful of good scouting stories. We had Dimitrov talking about the van, uh, issues that he's had in the van. We've had uh, we've had people talk about the Berkeley uh, days when they everybody was up in the trees. I know you've been up there and seen that. Uh, yeah. lot, everybody has their scouting stories. Forgetting your keys somewhere, lock yourself out of your car, a weird hotel experience. you got to leave us with one of your favorite personal scouting stories. 
Oh, per, you should have you should have let me prepare for this. No, one. no, no, no. Put you on the spot, man. This is what you got to. You're, you're in the draft room. You've been called on the table. Uh, I I need you to give me something. It could be player related. It could be live game related. We've talked about. We've had guys that lock their keys in their car at Virginia Tech uh, uh, during a <laughs> during a game. We've had all kinds of all kinds of stuff here. Yeah, that's a wow. That's a that's a really good one. You know, it, something on the top of my head. And I put this on on Twitter last night, which which we got to talk about. This whole social media thing is kind of crazy. Be, <laughs> You're you working know, hard, though, man. I like your grind on the social it, platforms. I got to work it. You know, that's what the sponsors want to see. They want to they want to see followers. So I'm I'm diving in with. Two what is your handle? You What's your handle? We've got a lot of listeners here, Jim. Plug your handle. It, it's Jim Nagy underscore SB for Senior Bowl. And um, Nagy N A G Y. N-A-G-Y, but you, you guys know working in the NFL, that's like taboo to, you know, be a self-promoter and, and be on <laughs> yeah, social no media question. and all that stuff. So, so it's, this is a whole different deal. But anyway, um, something I put on last night, you know, one of the things, one of the, one of the great things about scouting to me was just really getting to know the players. And, again, I credit, I credit John and Pete and the way we did things in Seattle. They really wanted us to get invested and, you know, learn these, learn these guys and figure them out and where they came from and, I think the overlooked thing in scouting, uh, just in general, in the public, you know, a lot of times what, what the general public sees about players is the negative stuff. You know, they see all the they see all the stuff on the on the ticker and, and, and the things that guys are doing, but that's such a small percentage of these guys. There's so many good stories and where these guys come from and, and the adversity they overcome. So just getting to sit down and, and spend time with these guys and, and hear about where they came from is so impactful and I put something on last night about Jared Davis the middle linebacker for Detroit he was training in Orlando um, for the draft and I was going to the UCF pro day and I wasn't going to be able to make it to Florida's pro day because I want to say Florida State had theirs the same day so we kind of had to split that up but I wanted to get with Jared because I thought he was such a great player and I thought he'd be a great fit for us in Seattle Uh, just such a violent dude he played so fast but sitting down with him and spending a couple hours with him I was so blown away just by his maturity level, his intelligence, his focus, his drive. I mean, this kid was, he was unbelievable. So I leave, I leave the, the dinner. And as you guys know, a lot of times you don't hear back from the players. Well, I'm driving and he texts me, you know, thank you so much for the dinner. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I texted him back. I said, you know, this, this might sound like a weird question. I'm like, but can, can I get your mom's cell phone number? And I said, I'd just like to reach out to her uh, and tell her what a great job she did with you. So he did. He shot me his mom's his mom's uh, phone number, and I shot her a text, and I just said, Mrs. Davis, please, I just had dinner with your son. I'd like you to know that um, you, what a great job you did, and I, you know, I've got a 13-year-old son myself. I hope that he grows up to be something similar. You did such a great job. And she texted me back, and she, she said she had tears in her eyes and how much it meant to her. So that's the, those, are, those are the things I'm really going to miss when it comes to working in the NFL is making those connections. Um, I look forward to doing some of that here with the Senior Bowl, but that won't be the same. So that that's the that's one side of scouting that I don't people I don't think people understand. I mean, you can really you you can grow just by hearing about where some other people came from. And I know that being around some of these players and hearing their stories has made me a better person over the years. That's that's big time. It's a big time story. I thought you were going to go Comedy Central. You went Hallmark Channel. Um, so you switched it up on us a little bit there. But as a fantastic story and speaks well for, for Jared Davis, no doubt. That's your homework, though. Next time you come on, um, we need, we need, we need to go 
We need we need to go Comedy Central for us. Oh yeah, we need a good we need a good one. We need we need something that is that is epic, something that you've done, an experience that you've had. Maybe going to a little hole in the wall school and failing to bring donuts and not being able to watch tape or watching tape on a sheet in a uh, a gym. Something something that would take us a little bit behind behind the curtain. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, I right. I got some from that year in Green Bay, Bucky. But I think I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd indict some people, and I don't want to go there. Hey, there's no names. You don't have to share names. We can go. We can go. John Doe. We'll John Doe this bad boy. Yeah. Hey, Nags. Uh, we can't thank you enough, buddy. We look forward to, to catching up. You know, our my mentor in scouting is Phil Savage, and Phil did a wonderful job of taking the Senior Bowl to the next level. Uh, Phil's on now. He's going to be the uh, the GM of the team in phoenix for this new football league uh the, what is it, the aaf i believe and so phil i'm excited for what he's going on in the future but man what a, what a replacement there to get jim to take over the Reese's senior bowl as executive director you're going to do a great job buddy and uh, we look forward to catching up with you throughout the year no i appreciate it guys thanks for having me on and I'll, I'll come on whenever you want all right buck what a what a good dude good to catch up with jim Nagy, someone we've both known forever i did not know i never knew that yeah Nagy was, uh, i never knew that he was uh in the working for an agency way back in the day i've known him forever he never told me that story that's funny i, th- I think it was even funnier um he brought up when he was a pr intern with the packers like i remember him coming in and always just kind of being around and wanting to kind of get on that side but like everybody that kind of comes in the building wants to do that and i remember talking to him at the locker several times and then just kind of watching it play out and watching his career um over the years i mean like you're just kind of proud of guys who just kind of do the work and so i'm happy that he's in a situation where he's really kind of found what i think is an ideal job maybe a dream job for him to be kind of in his wife's hometown to be able to still be connected to football and the league and all those things i'm excited to see what he can do and he also gets a chance to kind of play on our side a little bit he gets the best of both worlds yeah he's gonna do a great job there and we look forward to having him on more and more. He's been around a lot of great people, some of the best minds in the NFL, so he's got plenty to offer. Uh, what a great visit to catch up with him. Now, before we get to Dexter Lawrence and our interview with him coming up on the top defensive lineman in the country there for Wake Forest, I thought we'd do a couple of our takeaways here from last week uh, in college football. For me, I mean, I watched uh, pretty much all of the Stanford-USC game, and that was Stanford, you know, look, they struggled to stop the run a little bit. SC did move the ball on them you know, a little bit, but Stanford – Bryce Love got untracked just exactly like we thought he would do. Mm-hmm. They were methodical. They shortened the game. And they JT Daniels, they, he never got comfortable. He could not get comfortable against uh, that Stanford secondary. And, and they couldn't, USC could not get Amon Ross St. Brown involved, uh, who had got rolling the week before. And really, the game was never – it wasn't a blowout, but it was never close. Stanford was in control from start to finish. They were in control from start to finish. And I think what was most impressive about the game, I just – continue to marvel at the physicality and toughness that Stanford exhibits, particularly when they're playing a team that where they should be outmatched athletically like in SC. But, man, when I look at Stanford and their tight ends, their tight ends give everyone problems, particularly down in the red zone. Cody Parkinson being able to win one-on-one jump balls. Um, Kate Smith, Smith being able to make plays down the middle of the field. I know if I'm a young tight end and I have aspirations of playing at the next level, I know that I would try and find my way to Stanford because they not only develop them, they know how to use them, and you get to touch the ball down there. Yeah, if you're an offensive tackle, a tight end, or a quarterback, you got the grades to get in. I don't know how you turn down Stanford. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Like, they're very, very impressive when it comes to what they've been able to kind of do, and their guys continue to play well. And I will say this about SC. Um, Look, I think Tyler Vaughn is going to be a stud. I think he's a solid wide receiver. 
Um, I like Amon Ross St. Brown and what he's been able to display. I think their running back has been other underutilized, Stephen Carr. I think Stephen Carr yeah. can be a guy that is one of those hybrids, a runner-receiver coming out the backfield. They're still trying to figure it out when you got a freshman playing quarterback. But uh, I think at the end of the year, this team could still be a very, very good team, a competitive team, and a team that could vie for and should vie for uh, the Pac-12 title. All right, let's get to your uh, your takeaway here. I know you were looking at, what, Ohio State and what their young quarterback's doing, Haskins. Look, man, Dwayne Haskins is a guy that came through Elite 11 a couple years ago, and at the time he was 6'3", 198, coming from DMV, uh, the, the, the Maryland, D.C. area. And you saw him, you could see that he could spin it and the like, but he was a pro-style quarterback. And then he made his way to Ohio State, and you just wonder, how is that going to fit? Ohio State typically has guys that are kind of mobile, that move around. Well, I think we're seeing how it fits. The kid is completing almost 80% of his passes, 9-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. And I have heard from scouts, they told me, like, look, the best quarterback in the country could be the kid at Ohio State. We haven't seen enough of him, and we want to see him in big games. But Dwayne Haskins is one of those guys we need to keep our eye on because he has the size, he has the arm talent, and right now he's putting up the performance and production to make you take notice. Keep an eye on Dwayne Haskins because as this Big Ten season goes along, if he continues to put up these numbers, we certainly will be talking about him as a top player to watch in this year or next year's draft. 20 for 23, four touchdowns. And then his backup, Tate Martell, a kid from Bishop Gorman, goes 10 for 10. 10 for 10 with a touch. He ran for 95 yards and got a touch. So they were all over Rutgers. No surprise there. Uh, My takeaway, the last one here before we get to Dexter Lawrence, was the game uh, he played in last week against Texas A&M. I thought that was a fun game to watch. Good, great atmosphere there. And I thought, look, Clemson had better players. I thought that Texas A&M obviously made it a game, if not for that fumble out of the, out of the back of the end zone. Who knows what happens? But that was, a, that was a physical, physical game. And for all Jimbo Fisher, you know, talk about how much money he was making. I, I know one thing. I have not seen Texas A&M play that physical in a long time. No, he certainly has changed the culture. And, I, I, I look, he talked about uh, – them wanting to be a more physical team, having to be physical. Every interview that you saw, every press conference, he talked about the physicality and toughness. And I saw that in that game against Clemson. Because I'm going to be honest, I didn't think that Texas A&M really had a chance to stay on the field and make this a very tight game. But the way they played, they made Clemson play on their terms. And so that's certainly encouraging. And also the job that he did with the quarterback, Kellen Mons. Kellen Mons a year ago, we, we watched him play against UCLA. You were like, ah, oh, he can't throw. He's just a runaround guy. Jimbo Fisher has found a way to kind of get some production out of him. That is going to complement what should be a very solid running game. Texas A&M, I don't think they'll necessarily climb up the ranks in the SEC this year, but you can see what he's building. I think you have to be excited about the progress down at College Station. No question. How about the quarterback situation real quick here at Clemson? What are your thoughts there? You know, I, I mean, I think it, it, it is – one of those things that will continue to be a thing that Dabo Swinney has to work around. Um, and Kelly Bryant, he has the athletic quarterback that is similar to the quarterbacks that he's had the last five, six, seven years. And Trevor Lawrence, he has a pure pocket passer, a thrower. Trevor Lawrence comes in, throws it right away to T. Higgins, who I know that pains Sully because Sully thought T. Higgins was going to be a volunteer. Yeah, didn't he wears happen. the other orange and scores a touchdown right away. And so I think what you will see is later in the year, I think you can make a case for Trevor Lawrence eventually taking over because he does give them something that they haven't had in terms of a pure pocket passer with a big arm. That big arm will allow them to stretch the field and maybe do some things that they haven't been able to do. Not only T. Higgins, but Trevor Lawrence was also a Tennessee commit. So that was a Tennessee commit to a Tennessee commit at one point. Touchdown. You guys are the best team that almost was. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Preston Williams single-handedly beating Arkansas, too. It's just they're all over the place. Uh, sorry about that, buddy. Um, all right, look, it's, uh, it's it was a fun weekend in college football. Looking forward to this next weekend. We'll preview that on Thursday's show. Some of our top games make our picks there. Uh, but before we get to Thursday, let's finish this thing up with our, our big guest, and I do mean that uh, literally. Uh, Dexter Lawrence gonna going to join us here. DJ, you know I'm excited whenever I get someone from the hometown. Uh, we get an opportunity to talk to one of my favorites because not only is he from my hometown, but he played for my dad at Wake Forest High School. It was Wake Forest Roseville back then. Dexter Lawrence, how are you doing, Dex? I'm good. I'm good. How y'all doing? Good, Dexter. Look, it has been a wild ride for you since I first met you in high school. Uh, number two player overall coming out in high school. You make your way to Clemson. Kind of talk about that journey, going from a small little town in Wake Forest to making it on the big stage with the Clemson Tigers. Oh, man. Um, honestly, I when going through the recruiting process in high school, I didn't know what a scholarship was. I didn't know where Clemson was. I, I mean, I was just kind of just saying thank you to people. Get They say they gave me a scholarship. I didn't know what I was thanking them for. But uh, just kind of going through the process, I mean, the school like, was just sending me mail here and there every day. Got, like, boxes full, four, six, seven, eight boxes full of mail. Um, at the end of the day, I just started um, – I just talked to some people, you know, and just asked them, like, how do I go about this process? And one of the good things they told me, they told me to recruit the school, don't let them recruit me kind of deal. And, um, you know, that's just kind of how my mindset through the process was. And, I ended up here, you know, because my, my, through my recruitment of schools, I felt it was the best choice for me. Well, you end up making a good choice, obviously, the success you guys have had there with Clemson Tigers. But I want to go back early. I want to go back when you were young because when I see guys like you and in our, our scouting background, we see guys as big and as athletic as you are. Normally it's not just a football background that you possess. What what other sports did you play growing oh, up man. and what was your favorite? Oh, I love basketball. Yeah, I, That's I what up, I thought. Uh, oh yeah, big basketball guy. Uh, played played the five, you know. Um, banger, a banger. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, couldn't be handled down there. But but uh, you know, I threw the shot put and discus and uh, in, in track and field. But yeah. You know, when you think about playing those sports, Dex, how do those sports help you now as a dominant defensive tackle? Um, I say basketball just helped me with my endurance, uh, footwork, you know, feel, being one with my body kind of thing because basketball, you need a lot of body control. And um, just kind of my explosiveness, you know, I got to get off the ground a lot in basketball, you know, quick jump, quick steps, kind of um, flexibility as well um, in my hips, playing defense, little things like that. And kind of also learning my strength because, you know, you got to – Bang down low, you know, be powerful, strong. And uh, with the shot, even shot putting discus helped me with my hips, you know, throwing the ball, uh, even discus doing doing the little spin technique, things like that. So, I mean, that's, those kind of sports just helped me do with football. All right, let, let's jump on the field a little bit now because I watched you over the summer and last year, you know, things that jump out, just, just how strong and powerful you are, holding the point of attack, pushing the pocket. Uh, but I, I want to know, was there anything different with you this year in terms of health? Did you did you drop any weight or anything? I watched you early this season, Dexter. I think you you have got a little more juice. You're even more explosive. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so was it was it was it health? Like tell tell us about what happened yeah. with you health wise last year, or what you've done in the off season? Because I see I see a more explosive explosive version of Dexter Lawrence this year. Oh yeah, last year uh, I was battling a, a good injury. Uh, I was playing on one leg last year, kind of thing. I had lost um, some feeling due to a, like a nerve block in my leg after surgery. So I was just kind of battling that, trying to gain my strength back all season. Um, played the season probably like forty percent on my one leg you know I mean so that just kind of slowed me down but it also helped me a little bit um just to kind of focus on my hand placement you know like my strengthening up my hands you know and kind of make me focus on my footwork a little extra because I had to think about moving this foot a little more because I, I couldn't really feel it that much but last year it haunted me but it also was a blessing just to help me get better mentally and just know that, I mean, I've been through some stuff and, and I can get through it. You know, Dex, in, in thinking about that, um, a lot of people kind of put you in the box as a nose tackle, a guy that plays right over top of the center. Uh, having watched you, there's a little pass rushing in your game. Do you feel like oh, yeah. there's more that you can show at Clemson than you've been showing just because, you, one, you have a talented defensive line and a bunch of talented teammates around you? But do you feel like you can do more than just play right over top of the center? Definitely. That's one of my that's one of my goals I've been trying to focus on this year. Uh, just showing my versatility, you know, being able to be strong enough to play inside and be fast enough or quick enough to play the three technique or something like that. So, you know, that's just kind of what I've been trying to work on this off season. You know, I mean, they probably just going off last year film where I couldn't move as well, and now I'm just got this. I'm at this point to where I'm. I know that. Like, I'm I'm healthy now, so it's all up to me. I just got to prove myself every day. I'm just glad I'm not going crazy, man, because I remember just – I heard how athletic you were and how explosive you were, and I watched you last year. I'm like, man, this dude is strong and powerful. But, you know, I don't know. How much how much juice, how much giddy-up does he have that I've watched this year? I'm like, oh, man, this is – okay, now I see it. Now I see that explosiveness and that juice and that giddy-up. So it's nice to know you're fully healthy and we're seeing yes, a real Dexter Lawrence mm -hmm. out there, man. Uh, tell us back oh, – yeah. take us back to that game against Texas A&M. Uh, just coming off that game, that was a, a raucous atmosphere there, oh, yeah. a tight football game. What's it like just playing in that environment? It was a lot of people. One At one point, my ears were ringing. The, t the crowd got so loud, even when we were on defense. And I was, I was like, that's not supposed to be – that's not right. Why do you loud for <laughs> – you know, they want the offense to hear. So, I mean, that was a great experience. Texting in them, put up a fight. Uh, we were fortunate enough to come off on top, but – um. I give credit to them. You know, they they battle tested us, um, gave us a lot of experience, and um, I just want to credit the offensive line too because you know they are holding it down. You know, Max protecting, and that's something that you know we kind of take as we got to get better at as a defensive line unit. So I mean, they they kind of just helped us, you know, in the long run because we know a lot of teams are going to try to do that to us now, and they because they feel like that'll work. You know, and thinking about. That defensive line. You have so many talented guys that are in that D line room, uh, Christian Wilkins, and on and on. How do you guys manage the competition? Because I know all you guys have alpha personalities. How do you manage oh, yeah. the competition between all the guys in that D line room? Um, it's just an everyday thing. We battling, even in the classroom. We battling in the weight room. We battling who's gonna get off the field first. Who's gonna get to the quarterback first? Kind of. It's just ongoing competition. But at the end of the day. We, we know we all love each other, care for each other, but we know that we all out to prove prove something to the to ourselves and the world kind of deal. And um, 
uh, it's just it's just great environment to be around. You know, they they make me better. I make them better. It's kind of just it's all a circle trying to go into like feeding into each other kind of deal. We give each other's knowledge. You know, we talk about game plans, all the all the different type of stuff like moves they use to win, like moves we should try. Watching breaking down film, it it's just ongoing kind of deal. So it's just that's an honest blessing as well. Well, I know we don't have too much more time with you, but I do want to get your thoughts on something because I don't know if you know this about Bucky. Obviously, played for his dad there. Bucky had an interesting experience at Clemson one time. <laughs> I, want, I want Bucky to tell you what he did at Clemson. And then, Dexter, oh, I want you to react and tell me what you would have thought of somebody doing what Bucky did at Clemson. Bucky, go ahead and tell him what you did, man. All, All right, right, let's hear it. All right, Dex. So, um, this was my junior year. Um, I think it was 92, 93. Clemson had just lost to Wake Forest the week before we played them. So we were riding high. We were ranked maybe 17 or 18. We were going down to Death Valley. And Carolina hadn't beaten Clemson in a long time. And so we were like, this is the year. We're going to get them. We're going to make a statement. We're going to go down to Death Valley, and we're going to put it on them. And the fact that they had just gotten whooped by Wake Forest, we were really emboldened. So you know how – you come out, you run out first, so they always announce the visiting team while your guys are taking the bus around to the yeah, yeah. Uh, top of the thing. <laughs> so myself and a couple guys, but primarily me, I ran down to the bottom of the hill. And when I ran down to the bottom of the hill, I looked up when they were descending right upon the rock before they touched the rock, and I waved them down. And I told them, why don't you come on down here and get this butt kicking that we got for you? <laughs> Oh man! And Dex, See, I, that, I did. I might have used a little more colorful language. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and, I know. And, I got and, you. and so I waved them down, and uh, they came down the hill, and they proceeded to beat the absolute brakes off of us. <laughs> See, and, and, I mean, that's what, you can't do that. It's kind of, you know, disrespectful. And uh, still to the day, um, you know, we take that as offense when teams try to do that. So, I mean, that's, that might happen every time. <laughs> uh, DJ, why you bring that back up? I'm sorry. I just want to know how Big Dex would handle that. I, I have a pretty good idea. Oh, it uh, sounds like he's experienced something like that. That's called the Bucky Brooks. The guys try to wait for Oh, the Bucky hill. Brooks. Yeah, it's called the Bucky Brooks. Yeah, oh, that's, oh, yeah I remember. That. Yeah, that's a funny experience. Hey, Dexter, man, we know you're you're busy. We appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule, man. Stay healthy the rest of the year. Hope you have a wonderful season. And whenever that time comes, we'll have to wait and see. Whatever that time comes, you want to come to the NFL, uh, we're going to have some fun conversations, and we cannot wait to catch up with you down the road. Definitely. Appreciate it. Hey, Buck, how great is that, man? I, I tell you what, the, the – uh, the personality the big fella's got. For those who don't know, before we started the interview, we always have him do a 10 count. We always do make sure the audio levels are right. And Dexter goes, uno, dos. dos. <laughs> <laughs> He's, oh, you want an English? Uh, I love that dude, man. I, I can't get enough of Dexter. Hey, Bones. man, great, great dude. And, like, man, I can't tell you enough. Like, we always, I always brag on he and Bryce Love, but they were teammates together. And not only were they great players, they were great people. And so I was really excited. And in fact, Dexter was really, really close to going to Stanford. Can you imagine Dexter playing at wow. Stanford with Bryce Love? Wow. Like, like man, that would have been – would have been him and Harrison Phillips, too, yeah. inside. Ooh. That would have been nasty last Some, year. Something else now. But he is – he was impressive, man. And I do feel there's – every now and then you kind of have those moments where you're like, I'm not, I'm not crazy. 
right? Because last year when I watched him, I compared him to Linville Joseph. Oh, for like, sure. Okay, he, yeah. he is a space eater. He is strong. He is powerful. But I don't know how much wiggle, how much burst he's got. I thought maybe he just needed to lose a little bit of weight. Maybe he's just a little bit too heavy. But, man, he's, he had nerve issue. He couldn't even feel his foot. So he's, he even said it was like, what, 40% on that one leg? And now this year I'm seeing that more explosive version of somebody. And, and we talk about with interior guys, if you can't rush the passer as an interior defensive lineman. We saw Vita Vea went pretty high last year, but it's hard to vault yourself into that top five uh, if you don't have a way to be a, a consistent presence as a pass rusher. So that's, that's going to be big for him. It is going to be big for him, and that's the one thing that he has to, to, to prove. And, uh, and talking to my dad, I was telling him, I said, the one thing with Dexter, Dexter has to prove that as an interior player he can be a pass rushing presence because the guys that are valued and coveted in the National Football League are the interior guys who can get to the quarterback. It has to be more than just a pocket pusher. You have to be more than just a first and second down player. If you're a three-down player who can affect the passing game, you have an opportunity to be a high pick. You have an opportunity to be a guy that eventually signs one of those big deals like we saw from Aaron Donald and Geno Atkins and others. Man, no question. What, what, a, what a fun, fun dude, man. So looking forward to following him the rest of the season. Jim Nagy was great today. Had fun talking about a couple of our takeaways from last week. Looking forward to the next episode. We'll get into a preview in both the NFL weekend as well as the college football weekend. That show will be coming up here uh, momentarily a couple days away. We'll have another podcast for you. Anything uh, we need to promote here? Notebook? What we got here, Buck? <laughs> no, nah, we're going to talk about uh, the Kansas City Chiefs offense and why Tyreek Hill, a couple weeks ago people laughed when he said the Chiefs may have the best offense in, the fo- in football. Uh, I think we might want yeah, to no hold to laugh. up to that. <laughs> no more yeah, laughing. No, it's not a laugh. I matter. saw that firsthand. No <laughs> joke with that Kansas City Chiefs offense. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Be sure to check out. We've got some preview videos for the NFL weekend, some of the top games. You can find that NFL.com slash MTS video as well as YouTube.com slash NFL. The audio podcast as you're listening right now. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can catch it on NFL.com slash podcasts. Uh, and keep leaving us those uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, actually, on the Apple Podcast uh, little uh, app there, you can uh, leave us some reviews and rankings. That always helps helps us out there. Sully, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Is did Tennessee lose any more recruits in the last ten minutes? No, <laughs> <laughs> we're good. I think that's it. Uh, great pod, fellas. Uh, let's let's get this uh, this next weekend kicked off. I'm ready. Wow, cannot wait. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Sully behind the glass. Uh, Cam helping us out back there as well. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.